LegalizeFreedom.com Why are we here? Where do we come from? Where are we going? From the nature of reality to the future of humanity. Listen without limits. Unchain your brain. Change your thinking. Change your life. LegalizeFreedom.com Greetings and welcome once again to LegalizeFreedom.com. I'm your host, Greg Moffat, and my guest today is Paul Levy, who joins us to discuss his book, Undreaming Watiko, Breaking the Spell of the Nightmare Mind Virus. In the early 21st century, the world is at war, with human consciousness the primary target. Although this battle has ancient origins, it has massively intensified in the modern era. Both 9-11 and COVID-19 were key tipping points, drawing the enemy into the open as the technocrats and transhumanists escalated their attack on humanity. The 24-7 media matrix and the human mind are the battlefields. Fear, propaganda and manipulation, the weapons. Reality has become a battle of perceptions. The militant materialism of our age tells us that all our problems can be solved with more government, more money, more technology, more control. Unable or unwilling to acknowledge the deeper spiritual origins of civilization's crisis. But it is into the depths of the human psyche and the true dreamlike nature of reality that we must look if we seek to find the terrible secret of what troubles this place. Hello and welcome, Paul, and thank you so much for joining us once again on LegalizeFreedom.com. Yeah, I'm just so happy to be here with you, Greg. So thank you for the invite. Thanks, Paul. Today we're going to be discussing your brand new book, Undreaming Watiko, Breaking the Spell of the Nightmare Mind Virus. Before we jump into that, just give uh, listeners a brief uh, potted bio. Yeah, just okay. As far as a bio, well, I, you know, I'm not, I'm not, I don't have the normal um, background in that. I, I had a huge spiritual awakening over 40 years ago, and it was because I was in so much pain and um, based on an emotional trauma. And because of that, you know, that trauma and the suffering, I went so deeply inwards into my own mind and was fortunate enough to have the spiritual awakening, which got me in incredible trouble. I right away got hospitalized and diagnosed and, you know, and uh, I didn't realize at the time that was part of the spiritual awakening, almost my descent into the underworld. And, but, you know, I was encountering, I was having a living, living encounter with this malevolent force that seemed to, um, it appeared to exist, you know, both out in the world and inside my mind. And it was showing up through individuals or, and or, you know, systems like the psychiatric system that I got thrown into. And then I began to realize like iterations of a fractal, it was, it was also the same darker energy that was informing the evil and the madness that's playing out in the world's body politic. And so, um, you know, I'm, I'm not a scholar or a, you know, academic person. My work is all based on my own personal experience of coming to terms with this darker force and actually discovering that hidden encoded within it is our creative genius. 
Okay, so we're not going to discuss the background or you know, kind of the, the, the fundamental nature of Watiko and its historical perspective in terms of our species and the planet, because you and I have spoken a number of times, and I'm going to encourage listeners who are unfamiliar with the term uh, to go back and check out those interviews. The links to those will all be available on the interview page uh, for this one. And of course, there are links to all your, your website and all your previous books. People can get a background there. I'm going to dive into kind of where we are right now in the world um, with our species predicament. And you mentioned the evil playing out through the body politic. Now, the war, this idea of a war on consciousness, this phrase, you see, if you Google that now, you'll find many, many diverse and interesting and disturbing references and links. But I remember some alternative writers and researchers beginning to use that term. It, I first started to see it quite prominently in the wake of 9-11. And these were people who were looking beyond the surface of human affairs and earth events to what was behind the scenes, what's beneath it, you know, what's driving this, where's it, where's it really coming from? And I think that that was something, again, that very much came to the fore in very specific terms during the pandemic period. You, we could see it in general terms in the general technological and information environment that we all live in now in the 21st century. But again, the pandemic period seemed to really see that honed in and, and reamplified and uh, many people, myself included, drew parallels between the how 9-11 played out in human consciousness and the same, again, for, for the pandemic period. So perhaps we could start by just talking about where we are right now and the kind of this technological 24-7 matrix that we're all immersed in and the kind of the cognitive distance that it drives, the bamboozlement and making us so reactive and not contempl contemplative in, in the way that we really need to be. Yeah, for sure. Well, you know, I'd written an article called um, The War on Consciousness a number of years ago, and I was pointing out that that's the real war that's going on, you know, and and just in the current climate of our of our world, you know, the current body politic, there's this incredible, it's like there's this incredible psyops going on, you know, this, this brainwashing um, dynamic where we're, um, you know, it's getting harder and harder to discern and tell what's actually true. And then we fall under the particular spell. If we don't really um, connect with our real discernment that, you know, the, the idea being that, you know, think about there's the, the, the mainstream, whether you call it the media or you could call it the organs of propaganda of the powers that be, and there's an agreed upon narrative. And if we don't, you know, if we don't subscribe to that, you know, it's very dangerous nowadays. Unlike anything in our lifetime, we can get censored or deplatformed on and on. And and it's interesting because the thing, my new book is about this mind virus, which is basically, you know, people hear about that and they think, wow, that's really woo woo or new age, or some people think that. But in essence, every spiritual tradition throughout history has been pointing at this mind virus in different ways you know, and I'm happy to talk about that, but in essence, what it's meaning is that the source and the origin of our of our collective madness that we're unconsciously compulsively playing out on the world stage is to be found within the human psyche. And that's a no-brainer. Like, where else could the source of our madness be found? And so that being said, that then helps to contextualize this war on consciousness. 
you know, because for example, what's being implemented on the world stage where our liberties are being taken away and they're the powers that be are centralizing power and control. And this isn't, you know, to say this as a conspiracy theory is idiocy. You know, anybody with open eyes can, you know, can see this. And, you know, but this process can never happen, the centralizing power and control and us giving away our freedoms without our complicity. We are participating in that. And that's where, you know, the psyops comes in. That's where the brainwashing and the hypnosis comes in. And we've all experienced it. I mean, I know I have where you meet somebody who has has drank the Kool-Aid, so to speak, and is under the spell, and you try to reflect to them that maybe they're just parroting the algorithm and they've been programmed and they're actually professing the point of view that the powers that be that are behind the evil are wanting people to profess. And they'll like immediately react and think you're crazy or you know, call you a conspiracy theorist or whatever. So it's really interesting that even the, you know, the ability to have dialogue and intelligent conversation and to have a debate where both sides honor each other, you know, that's, um, that that's no longer there. And, you know, what one can make a point, well, that's by design, but even if it's not by design, that's what's happening, that um, we've become so polarized and people, you know, under whatever perspective they're under, are typically convinced that what they're seeing is the truth and that they're in possession of the objective truth. And anybody who holds a different viewpoint, you know, they otherize and demonize. And it's like, um, you know, I mean, what I'm describing is a situation where if we can envision the, the what he called mind virus behind the scenes, it's it's feasting off of the polarization and the separation and the misunderstanding. And, and then, of course, once we feel somebody is other than us, there's fear, you know, and then once there's fear, that's superfood for Watiko. So it just, in a self-generating way, this madness feeds off of each other. And, um, yeah, so I think it's really important. On the one hand, there's the, there's the war in Ukraine, or then there's the whole thing with the vaccine you know, um, you know, process, but underlying all of these, these um, processes, whatever war or pandemic we're talking about is that there's some sort of war on consciousness. And that's pointing at the profound importance of cultivating awareness and keeping our heart open because what it's a form of being blind. And, um, and the Bible talks about this mind blindness that people have eyes but don't see, and they correlate it to a closed heart. Okay, so the idea being for us to have the our, you know, just a good heart, an open heart filled with love and compassion, and to actually have open eyes. Because when we become like an ostrich and avoid seeing something, that turning away is Watiko, you know. So it's really, really important for us to cultivate awareness. Well, it's interesting that uh, people are quite, you know, at home with considering, you know, individual physical sickness and, you know, and mass physical sickness, you know, like in the pandemic or any other sort of disease outbreak, you know, that's unfortunate, but it happens. Ditto with perhaps individual insanity. But the idea of a sort of a collective insanity species wide seems impossible to countenance because, as you say, so many people, you know, your average person thinks they're the sanest person they know. 
uh, yeah, no, they can, people can talk about, oh, you know, the madness of crowds, or they can look at Maoist China or Nazi Germany and say, oh, the, you know, the whole country went mad. But the idea, again, uh, in a technological age, that there might be something very, very primordial and primitive wrong with us or something, you know, some kind of malware in there that's driving the, the evil that we see around us is, is just generally unacceptable to most people. So it seems that they'll, they'll go so far into perhaps maybe some quite, to, to use your term, woo-woo concepts, but, you know, it's stuff that they don't perhaps, it's perhaps in the realm of the non-material. But the, again, the idea that, that this might all be us somehow is just unacceptable. And there's all sorts of reasons for that, because who wants to think that when you look out the window, turn on the te- television or whatever, see, you know, the, the horrors being committed, you know, by our own species to our own species, that you might somehow be complicit in that even if there isn't anything that you feel that you can individually do about it, that's very different from thinking that you might actually be, be subconsciously driving it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that's why, you know, I mean, in the collective works, Young talks about, the, you know, the number one danger that faces our species is to fall into a collective psychosis, into a psychic epidemic. And that's what Watiko is. It's a collective psychosis, you know, where people reinforce each other's madness. And anybody outside of the echo chamber who reflects back their state of blindness gets demonized, you know. And um, so, you know, it's so easy to think, to hear the term like collective psychosis and think, oh, well, you know, we're not doing that because if we were crazy, we'd be, you know, I don't know, like, running around without clothes on or screaming in the streets or whatever. But no, no, no. What, think about what we're doing now as a species. We're investing the majority of our resources in in weapons of mass destruction so as to kill each other more efficiently. I mean, that's what we're how we're investing our assets in. It's it's completely insane. When you amplify the situation that is happening in our world, we are collectively enacting suicide and taking down and destroying the biosphere, the life support system of, of all of us, of our planet. I mean, that that's completely insane. And, and there's no one else doing that. We are doing that. I mean, that's why Jung says the greatest danger to humanity is humanity itself, you know? And, and he also talks about that, you know, the greatest danger is for us to identify with a fictitious identity, to identify with who or not. And that's exactly what is meant by Watiko. And so one of the key things for each of us individually, because what Jung is saying is that the solution is to be found within the individual. Yeah, we could collectively enact laws and, you know, that would help stuff, but that's palliative care in a way that the real change happens in an individual through their expansion of consciousness and the opening of their heart. And, um, and a key thing is, is for each of us to have the realization how we are unconsciously colluding with the evil in the world, whether it's on a small scale of just, you know, how we're enacting self-destructive, addictive, habitual patterns, or in our relational, in our relationships, how we're like projecting the shadow in an unconsciously enacting our abuse or collectively how we're supporting the the war machine that is killing the planet and so many people. The, it's super important for us to have insight into how are we colluding 
with with that evil that we're seeing in the world and ultimately with our with our own being cast as a victim well yeah i mean mythically archetypally spiritually we you know we're all making this journey alone in one sense and it's interesting when you mentioned you know this idea that the humanity's you know the greatest danger uh, is you know humanity itself you know to ourselves and of course we hear a version of that now in the uh in the, within the materialist paradigm in the gathering crises in the world you know environmental crisis economic crisis social and political systems breaking down uh, this is all our fault we're danger to ourselves but the the proposals being put forward to kind of resolve this are the, in themselves a danger to humanity i'm thinking of you know the, the technocratic uh, control systems the transhumanist ideas um, all of this stuff and not only is it a danger to humanity but it in itself is collectivist you know just like the, the bad old collectivist ideas of the of the past you know the marxism and you know national socialism and etc cetera, etc cetera. so it, it's very circular in that sense but that all of that only works to, you know in air quotes to the sense that it does work in a, within a materialist paradigm because it's just more of the same really this has been pointed out by many people such as yourself that the superficial solutions being proposed to our problems are essentially more of the same, you know, rebranded, you know, with, with a sort of a techno sheen to them. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that makes me think there's, what is that dynamic, the problem reaction, and then there's the solution. And, you know, one could make the, the point that underlying that, you know, that that's choreographed, that that's by design. And, um, you know, but that can only play out, in the way it does, you know, to implement the powers that be's agenda, because we're unaware of what's happening. You know, I'm blown away. I mean, in America, I'm blown away by the extent of the asleepness and the brainwashing in the American population. And um, so many of my friends who are, you know, beautiful people and spiritual and good intention, open-hearted, really brilliant people are by not really following what's going on, they're unwittingly, without awareness, they're supporting the forces of evil. They're they're like on the side of the war machine. They're on the side of fascism and totalitarianism, all the while thinking they're not, thinking they're the good guys. And it, it's it's a mindfuck, you know, and and I just I see this every day and you know what I've learned I think we've all had to learn with each of our friends like we I can talk for myself with each of my friends there's oh there's this don't go there zone with this person and then there's another don't go there zone oh with this person I can't talk about the vaccines this person I can't talk about the war in Ukraine this person I can't talk about about Putin or you know whatever it or or this person I can't talk about Trump and and you know i've learned it's like a superhero power that we have to navigate yeah where is it safe to have discourse and it's never been like that before and you know but the point is like a deeper point to even go to this 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 meta awareness is that something so our world and the structures that we've created that are keeping us asleep are deconstructing and and that's really frightening in one way but the other point of view is that there's something that's being given birth through this process. Like going back to the work of Jung, 
he says that the great illness of our time is a sickness of disassociation, that the right hand doesn't know what the left hand is doing. And, um, but he talks about that, that sickness of disassociation, it's like a pregnancy. And out of that pregnancy, something is being given birth. It's the shamanic death rebirth experience. I point out in my new book that that's the main archetype that's operative in the collective unconscious of our species, that we, based on trauma, because we're all in trauma, we're, we're collectively and individually making a descent into the underworld, into the darkness of the unconscious. And, you know, and there's a great danger in there because if we can get stuck, that's the place of insanity or, or, or evil or death or stuff like that. But if you actually, you know, understand this is an initiatory ordeal, you know, the archetype of the shaman and the shaman is the wounded healer and we are all wounded healers in training is that at a certain point they emerge back into the world and having gone through that ordeal, they are the bearers of gifts. And, and the idea is, in essence, is to that woundedness, that trauma that we all feel, the danger is to identify with it. But if we actually carry it in a way where that wound becomes a portal through which we access our creative gifts, and that's the gift the shaman brings back. And like I'm suggesting, we're all shamans in training. And I think that's the biggest chapter in the, in the new book is about how we're all shamans in training. Yeah, well, that certainly begins to point the way forward, you know, in, in some to some extent by looking back. And what, on a practical note, or a somewhat practical note, what you said there about people that you had to have different types of conversations with based on, you know, their their attitude, what you've learned about how they see the world. I just call it meeting people where they are. It, particularly, we want to do this with friends and family and people that we, we care about. You find yourself doing that when you can, I think. Uh, with people you meet for the first time, people you encounter in everyday situations, even if it's just a brief uh, interaction, because what we're trying not to do is engage in what you, you mentioned earlier, the sort of othering, engaging in this polarizing black and white view of everything. You know, I'm I'm right and you're an idiot, because that won't move anything forward. And even if you do meet someone where they are and maybe gently plant a seed about a different way of seeing things, if it doesn't, you know, germinate, that's okay. But it's, we certainly won't get anywhere by just condemnation or you know, the politics of uh, that we see, you know, the polarized politics. I mean, that's, suppose, that's the ultimate manifestation, isn't it, really, in our political systems? You, you in the US and myself here in the UK, and it's the same throughout most representative democracies and indeed some other systems. But the, you know, the ones that are held up as the, the, the paradigm that everyone wants to move towards and adopt, and that, that's just descended now into um, absolute polarized chaos you know really getting quite vicious and you know and that has already begun to, to to turn into violence simply because people will not consider anyone else's point of view even if they completely and utterly feel it to be mistaken just to try and understand okay why does someone hold that point of view what has led to that what was their life up to this point you know why are we you know where we are yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, I've, uh, you know, coined a term, omniperspectival consciousness or, 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 or awareness. And what that is, is, you know, we all have, we've all taken on a particular point of view. And when you have this omni, the omniperspectival consciousness, you actually are able to consider and entertain in your imagination to put yourself into an other's point of view. 
and see how they're seeing. And, and by doing that, you know, well, first off, the only way to do that is to really cultivate empathy, you know, to step outside of yourself and take on another, another's viewpoint, you know, you might begin to discover, oh, wow, they're, they're actually seeing something that maybe I'm not seeing. And they might be seeing my blind spot in a way that I'm not. And now I might be seeing their blind spot in a way that they're not. And, you know, so when you have a group of people who are open to that, instead of, you know, what happens is people get entrenched in a viewpoint. You see, this is the mind virus. So let me, I, I'll just describe this in detail in a way that I think can really help to bring light to what I'm trying to point at. So one of the, or the key way of seeing the mind virus is to have the recognition that this is a dream. We're having a collective dream. We are dreaming up moment by moment into materialization or world. And we're doing that together. And um, if you're in a dream, so then let's invoke the imagination. If you're in a night dream and you're holding a particular perspective in that night dream, well, that night dream, which is nothing other than a reflection of your own mind, has no choice but to reflect back and give you all the evidence confirming your viewpoint. That's what a dream is. A dream, it's a projection of the mind. So if you're holding a viewpoint in a dream, in no time whatsoever, instantaneously, the dream is gonna is is going to, you know, the way it'll manifest will confirm your viewpoint. And now you have seemingly objective evidence that proves that your viewpoint is true. So then you get even more entrenched in that perspective, in your viewpoint. And the more entrenched in your viewpoint you get, the more the dream just has no choice because it's a reflection of your mind to offer you even more evidence confirming your viewpoint ad infinitum. It's a self-generating feedback loop in which you've hypnotized yourselves. That's what I'm talking about, that what Tico plugs into our creative genius in a way that we actually hypnotize ourselves instead of tapping into our creative genius and creating the world we want to live in. That concludes part one of our interview. Part two will be available soon in the subscribers area at legalizefreedom.com. Legalizefreedom.com.